Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Delta X podcast with Ellen Shu. These are conversations with changemakers, innovators, and self-starters who have made their mark on the world at a young age. Breaking down the journeys of those who are changing the status quo and building the future today. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome back to Delta X Podcast. I'm your host, Ellen Chu, and today we have a really special guest. And one word he uses to describe himself is altruistic. And I think in today's conversation, we're going to be really diving into what it means to be altruistic, as well as using uh, different frameworks to solve tough problems using social impact. Um, so yeah, welcome, Zion. Thank you so much, Ellen, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm going to try and get a little deep. There is Zian on on that most people see. And then there's Zian on a podcast, and Zian on a podcast is deeper than Zian that most people see. So we're gonna try and get as deep because I feel like um, these conversations are very important, and also mm-hmm. um, I think every activist, change maker, founder, um, anyone that's been successful with that story, and I'm gonna try and share that story as elaborately as possible. So I started when I was. 15 but I think my story starts from when I was born um I grew up in a family that was um that has very strong values and in a community that had very strong values of you know giving back um and the importance of 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 social impact or just community service or volunteering and so forth so always grew up in in that environment and I saw that and I was involved in a lot just growing up um everything from just going to like orphanages to little small actions just in my religious community um I was part of like scouts like um I was always surrounded with that um and then as I started growing up I guess I started sort of losing that I'd say I was I was a teenager trying to like explore this world um and sometimes I would be involved in this thing but it felt like super forced like I was just involved in it because I had to be um and then when I was 15 um so back in 2017 um I went through an experience that sort of changed my life and the way I look at things so Mm -hmm. I actually um was diagnosed with dengue fever um on my last day of my first year of high school and at the point where they did figure out what it was it was like very very late so they say that if I had waited any longer like my organs would stop bleeding um so they admitted me into the hospital I was there for another week um and then from the point and I eventually recovered um and then from the point of getting like discharged to um the next three weeks mm-hmm. I basically went into this weird phase where no one understands what really happened but I basically I was alive and I was like doing things but I had no control over myself so this goes on for like a period of three weeks everyone sort of had a different theory of what happened so the doctors that treated me for dengue fever say that it might that might have like affected my brain functionality 
we went to like a psychologist like she said that um she diagnosed me with bipolar disorder um we went to like uh like religious like priests um they say that um i was possessed um we went to like uh like a a reiki master i don't know if you know what reiki is but it's just like the spiritual practice and mm-hmm. um she was like a negative like entity passed through me and my chakra as well like misaligned um so everyone had a different theory of what happened um and for me i just wake up three weeks later i check my phone um i see the date on my phone i'm like this is weird like the last thing i remember was getting discharged of the hospital which i thought was yesterday but my date says it's been three weeks there's a reason why i went to this right and i felt like that reason was like this had to be some sort of like wake up call for me or some sort of reminder for me to like get my life together and really be intentional about how i want to live my life moving forward um and i took that as my sort of turning point right after this thing happened i go back to school and i have an opportunity to start my personal project and that's where for the menstruator comes in and i came across a documentary on al jazeera named india's menstruation man um and the fact that menstruators around the world don't have access to products and my mom tells me that when she was younger and she used to live in india um she didn't have proper access to menstrual products cuz she grew up in a single parent household and they they couldn't afford products at a point and mm-hmm. um that was like very they used like old cloth and that to wash it and she would leak all the time and it was such a struggle um so i'm like wow i just watched this documentary and my mom told me the story i'm like how can i use that as inspiration to mm-hmm. to learn more and maybe do something about this for this school project that i need to do so i go online and i do my research and over 500 million menstruators around the world don't have access and i read into the statistics at that time in kenya 65% of the menstruators didn't have access in africa an average of 1 in 10 girls um don't have access to products and i'm like these numbers are huge and no one's talking about it um mm-hmm. especially in my community at that time so i'm like I will I want to do something about this and I go online and for my school project I was able to uh learn how to stitch and did all my research and was able to design a reusable menstrual product that will last for 6 months and for the school project I was able to support 22 menstruators in in Tanzania in my hometown um and that was really exciting um and that marked the end of my school project Um I could have stopped at that point. I felt good. I got a good grade. Um <laughs> presented this thing, all right? And um but then whilst I did this project there was a few realizations that I had. So the first one was um one this is a very big issue and because I spent so much time working on it, I sort of grew passion um about it and this topic. Um and then second I realized that I contributed more to the problem. then solving it so one 22 menstruators out of 500 million is nothing two the product that i made would only last for 6 months that means after the 6 months that this product will last the people that i supported will go back into the same old sort of methods that they had right mm-hmm. and in reality i just created like a dependency syndrome in which mm-hmm. the people that i supported would keep depending on someone else to come and help them and i haven't really like empowered them in any way um to help themselves 
So I had this few realizations and I'm like, I, I want to continue work, working on this. So yeah. I am going to go back to school and start up a team of my own and we're going to see how we can figure this out. So start up a small team at that time or seven, 10 people. Um, and we changed two main things. So the first thing that we changed was our products. So we collaborated with a local community-based organization that actually uh, employs women with disabilities full-time and they have skills like stitching as one of them. So mm-hmm. we worked with them and we came together and we were able to co-design a reusable product that will last for three years now. Um, 100% biodegradable, extremely cost-effective and also embarrassment-free. The second thing we came up with was um, uh, we change our approach. So now when we work with communities, we'll go in there and we'll identify a group um, and and we'll first go in there and like do a needs assessment and actually build a relationship with them. So um, we'll basically just learn their context, figure out what's the root cause of the problem they were solving, like actually build a relationship with them versus just coming in there and being like, we have a solution to your problem. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. Um, based off of that, then we usually have an educational workshop. So since we usually work with schools, um, we'll teach both the menstruators and non-menstruators about reproductive and sexual health. Um, but we use both like formal and informal like educational practices to do that. So you'd see us standing in front of a class giving a presentation, but you'd also see us like sitting in a round circle and playing different games and using like uh, storytelling to like teach them some of these concepts that aren't usually taught in class. Um, yeah, and then after that, we have a stitching workshop. So here's where we introduce our product and we teach them how to use and wash it. But in addition to that, we also teach them how to stitch their own. So the good thing about this is since we use locally available materials, um after the three years that these products last these people can go to the local market and and buy some of these materials or just use some of the existing materials that they have um to actually make their own and we're providing a skill so it's this whole idea of don't give them fish but teach them how to fish right mm-hmm. um and what we've also seen by doing that if there's a community of a thousand um we'd go in there and help let's say 10 people and those 10 would then pass on that skill to 10 others and those 10 would pass on to 10 others and then eventually sort of the whole community will have access to the skill and access to products that um sort of solve this issue yeah we usually end with like a uh um celebration and review phase where we assess the impact of our work and um we get feedback and we celebrate with the community what we've been able to achieve so sort of made those changes and yeah over the last almost five years now we've I know my bio is not updated but we're now <laughs> at 13,500 people worked wow. in eight countries around the world mm-hmm. um with everywhere from like villages in Kenya to like slums in like uh Pakistan to like we worked with sex workers in Bangladesh like um uh, we're doing stuff here in Canada, working with homeless people here. Like, so our work has really been able to grow, and it's all been possible to our amazing team of just youth and young volunteers. Uh-huh. Um, so I could go on talking all day, I know, <laughs> but sort of to wrap this whole journey of mine. Um, the reason why I decided to bring up that first story of how I went through an experience of pain and trauma is I feel like. Um, a lot of people go through similar experiences, um, mm-hmm. but 
the way I look at it is how do you find inspiration in your own struggles, in your own trauma, um, in your own pain and turn that into purpose, right? Um, and turn that into something purposeful. Because I went through that experience, I took that as an opportunity to use all that energy that was bottled up and, and use that as a reminder for myself that, you know, I was put into this world to do something greater than myself. I was, I have a purpose. Like I want to, I want to make a difference. And that's why I call myself, or I, 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 if I love the word altruism, it's because altruism is all about, you know, um, making sort of an impact or, or helping other people. And, and that's, that's sort of the journey and the story. Yeah, that's an amazing journey. And thank you for being so, like you mentioned, deeply personal about it too. Um, I think vulnerability is like also a sign of strength and it's great to know kind of the hidden story behind, behind how all this started, you know, like how uh, people are able to make impact. It's really a lot about um, like the personal journey and like the events that happen. Yeah, I know there's a lot to go into about more uh, about altruism, this idea of altruism, also how you're able to solve uh, tough problems in your own organization. Uh, But I also wanted to like talk more about like your personal experience because um, that was definitely something like really life-changing, right? And there's this um, interesting like question that my friend once posed to me. And it was, if you kind of spiritually died today, what would you have wished you could have done with your life? Um, and to me, it seems like, you know, hearing you talk about this very tough moment um, and kind of like near near death, um, it seems like there's like a shift or like you talked about having like a different change in mindset afterwards and it like completely transformed your life. What did you realize like afterwards? Was there anything that seemed to be more meaningful or that like there seemed to be more purpose, whether it's driving you towards for the menstruator or for like other areas of your life that you just saw in a different light? Yeah, exactly. So I... I love that question that your friend asked you, like, if you had to die today, you know, what what would, like, if you're on your deathbed, like, would you have any regrets? Would you be proud of the, like, what you've done? And I try to live every single day with that mindset, right? Um, mm-hmm. For me, it's like, if I had to really, like, pass away, would I have fulfilled my purpose or left a legacy or or done something meaningful to this world? Would I have made a contribution? Um and unfortunately most people don't think about that right like we get so caught up in the day-to-day stuff and like trying to make it in life or doing school or whatever it is um and one thing leads to another and you find yourself on your deathbed and you have all these regrets about how you lived your life right so and I think that's the worst feeling to have because you can't do anything about it at that point right it's it's done like time's passed Mm -hmm. so for me like I feel privileged to have gone through that experience and um had that experience as a reminder of how i guess how 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 much we take life for granted um and how much we take the time that we spend here for granted and mm-hmm. um as as like weird and deep as it is like it's important that we that we spend time thinking about these things because um yeah like we all have a purpose in this world right and we all well put into this world to do a certain thing um and we're gifted with all all these skills and all these opportunities and privileges um that that other people may not have so how do we use those uh and keeping keep our purpose in mind and then deliver and and leave an impact or a legacy in this world and it doesn't have to be starting a global nonprofit organization it could be something that you're doing right now i having this important conversation inspiring others it could be playing sports it could be making music it could be anything you know 
um everyone is is gifted with with that thing and it's all about spending time with yourself and really sitting down writing these things down like what am i good at why was i put into this world and and then how can i make that possible and how can i leave an impact um mm-hmm. that's how i always look at it yeah i think that's a great thing to ask too like you mentioned always considering like what impact you can leave and if you were if you were looking back on the life you lived would you would you feel like you had done something meaningful yeah um, i remember also when i was i i recently read or not recently but i i read um about like Steve Jobs bio- biography and it was really interesting because he would look in the mirror and say like if I if today is my last day like would I still want to go to work and do this and most of the time it was yes which is really amazing because I don't know if I if I woke up and I was like when I go to school if this is my last day I don't know what my answer would be but yeah. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't I'm I would not be living um every day like I like going through my regular day if I did that but I think just finding those deeply meaningful things mm-hmm and let's let's dig more into effective altruism, since I think that's one really important thing that you've really lived your life by. Um, and I think it's a lot of people might also, um, you know, have this same philosophy, but not really realize it. Um, so I think the first thing is, um, you know, you mentioned watching a documentary that made you realize this huge problem of like, uh, like women not having these menstrual products. And uh, like, I think you mentioned 50 million women, which is a ton of people. Um, but there's like some people who might watch the documentary, you know, and like might feel that there's a problem, but not everyone would go out and do something to actually solve it. Um, so I guess my first question is like the why part of it. Like, why do you think most people tend not to act when these problems are like facing them? I think it comes, there's multiple reasons, but I guess it comes like you may feel emotionally connected to an issue. Mm-hmm. And then I guess like stop there. Like most people like just feel like they're either too young or too small or they don't have the ability to quote unquote to make an impact or change the world right um and because i feel like of we live in a time of social media and how like everyone you look up to on the internet is talking about all these like cool like things that they're doing in like a 10 second clip and you're like Mm -hmm. oh shit like they just show like all the success and all the achievements and they don't show the, the way that they got there. Um, and because of how, like, and even in, in the school system, like we're just always taught to, you know, like so much emphasis is always just given on results. Um, and people are always just rewarded because of those results that, that, people don't like there's not enough importance given to that whole like process and that journey of actually getting there so mm-hmm. where do we are i guess too scared to like start working on something so for me when i watched a documentary i wasn't like i'm gonna start up a non-profit and have impact around the world i never i wasn't even thinking of that for me it was like how do i in my local community in my own country like um start towards making some sort of impact mm-hmm. um and I did my research and I was able to come up. I learned how to stitch. I worked with a local tailor. He helped me like make these products. Uh, I did, I reached out to like people in my community and was like, is there a need of anyone I can work with? Um, and I started very small. Right. And I was, as I said in the story, like I just helped 22 people at the start um, and didn't have anything perfect. Like it was such a like weird project, but I just did it. I just went for it. Right. 
um, instead of like thinking too much. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle. Like, because we want to make everything so perfect, we're so scared to put ourselves out there and we're so scared to fail. Um, and because failure and, and, and like that process isn't recognized enough, especially on social media and the internet and, and everything that we see and we're growing up with, like people struggle, right? And we're so scared. What is everyone else going to think about us? Like as a, as a non-menstruate, as a boy, like, like if I spent a lot of time thinking about what everyone would think, I got a lot of like shit from people around me. Like everyone was talking, like everyone, everyone made jokes. Like everyone would, I lost a lot of friends cause I was working on something like this. But if I spent too much time thinking on it, 13,500 people around the world wouldn't have been able to have their lives changed. Um, mm-hmm. If I did that. Right. So I think it's, it's just not thinking about what other people are going to think, just starting and going for it and not thinking about, you know, I'm too small or too young or, or failure or, or any of those things, just going for it. Like when I have an idea, I know if I don't start working on it at that very moment, it's never going to happen. My grade three teacher told me that tomorrow never comes. And that was when I was procrastinating and I told her I don't want to do my homework um, and I'll do it tomorrow. And she's like, tomorrow never comes. And wow. that stuck with me so much because I realized like tomorrow does never come, you know, like we always like, yeah, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this next week. Next week turns into next month. Next month mm-hmm. turns into next year. Next year turns to you being on your deathbed and having all these regrets about how you spent your life. So I think that's how I look at it. Like if you have an idea, just start today, just start working mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah that's powerful yeah I, I bet your third grade teacher didn't know uh telling you to do homework would get you this far um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bringing up bringing it up you know like years later yeah. um but yeah that I think that's such a no excuse mindset that a lot a lot of people really like it's me included like I feel like sometimes I um I like to imagine like the future feels so feel so distinct like I'll do it later I'll do it in the future um it's also like, I think kind of due to the way we frame like the future being so distinct from the present, but really we're, we're always, there's no such thing as like, like you mentioned tomorrow, because there's, you can say you keep doing it tomorrow and then tomorrow becomes today and then it keeps going yeah. on and on. Um, so yeah, like breaking out of that cycle and actually trying to do something like when you see a problem, just, just act on it, even if it's really small. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And okay. So like you, you've mentioned this a little bit as well, but I, I think many listeners here already have like things that they care about. You know, there's so many problems out there in the millions, like poverty or uh, like the problems that you've worked on or, you know, uh, climate change. There's a lot of different existential uh, problems that are out there in the world that are affecting like millions of people. Um, and so if people have this why, uh, assuming that they already like know why they want to do this, um, what's your approach to solving the how? So like how, how uh, do you have like a framework to solving problems? So like, if people want to work on these really difficult problems affecting millions of people, like how can they even get started with that first like single yeah. digit number? No, I agree. I think very first thing is doing your research. Um, so everything from, from I'd say um, like doing research online, like all the secondary research, um, watching documentaries, article, reading articles, like understanding sort of, the surface level problem and getting a gist of it. Mm-hmm. And then what I really recommend, and I recommend everyone that, especially people that want to work on like social problems. Um, there's this really amazing TED talk called, if you want to help someone, shut up and listen. 
Um, so everyone should go and watch that TED talk. But the idea is um, if you ever want to work on something, you really have to go on ground and listen to the people that are actually being affected by it. Mm-hmm. And going there with like an open mindset and not thinking of a solution, but just going there and listening. Um, he explains through different stories that every time he's done that, the solutions that he's trying to come up with has come from the communities that he's trying to solve, uh, trying to help out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it usually is like that. So just going in with a very open mindset when doing that research of listening um, and really like actually physically going on ground. So if let's say I want to work with homeless people um, mm-hmm. before being like, oh, maybe homeless people need food and a house. Like that's the surface level problem. Like instead of doing that, I should just go to the the people that I plan to work with and ask them and talk to them and just listen to them. Um, and they will tell you that what they need and what they don't try and what's the best outcome for them. So um, and that applies to any any sort of issue that you're working with. So doing mm-hmm. those two things. And then after that, once you have all this information, sort of figuring out how, what, like what you're good at and what skills you can provide um, to actually, you know, solve that. So, and if you don't have some of these skills, then actually learning those skills. So for me, like when I started, I saw like maybe reusables are the solution. Um, I didn't know how to stitch those. So I learned how to stitch. Um if someone wants to work on like, let's say right now, like web three and like the whole, you know, metaverse space is like <laughs> popping off, but they don't know how to like code or design or create like an NFT. Like they should go learn how to do that and then actually sort of come up with a solution. So yeah, I'd say research, listen, I then like sort of building those skills and figuring out what skills you have and what value you can provide and putting all of that together and actually creating something and then making that impact. Um, Also important to note that like every time you work on something, there is like, you're probably not the first person working on that. So actually like coming out of this mindset of like, I need to reinvent the wheel versus contributing to the existing like Mm -hmm. wheel that's already there. So reaching out to people that that have already done it. And instead of like perceiving them as competition or someone you're like, I guess, competing against to solve the same problem, like actually reaching out to them be like, you know what, you have done this. I want to learn from you. Um, Is there any way like I can contribute to what you have already done? So I think having that mindset and and partnerships for me have always worked out the best way. And um, like keeping that in mind is also extremely important um, in anything that you're trying to solve. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and you've been working on uh, for the menstruator for seven years now. How long has it been? Five, almost, almost five, five years. Yeah. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, yeah, so you know, what does it what does it look like just to give people better understanding? Since you know, like you mentioned, these conversations are really a great place to talk about things you don't really see on like the front page uh, or uh, like on the internet. Uh, just for a final fun question, uh, I saw like from the beginning of the. Uh, from when you joined the Zoom, that you have you have some some interesting things on your wall. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about those. You know, you have uh, since I know listeners can't see this, we have like a a painting of like books with the truck on top. Oh yeah. Like a a blue a blue light neon yeah. like lightning bolts, and you have yeah. seek discomfort. Can you like walk through some? Of your okay, yeah, sure. And how how why you chose to put these, these three things? Okay, on your wall? so 
Okay, I promise the first one, the one with like the book slash cars or whatever it is, like that poster has no meaning. It's, <laughs> I just thought it looks cool. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes you can make space in your life for things that are fun and cool and you just, you know, it's just up there. Mm-hmm. Um, then the lightning bolt and there's a seek discomfort flag. So there's a flag and it's a seek discomfort. Um, but that's basically from like my favorite like YouTube uh channel uh, called yes theory um but i look up to them they've changed my life um but basically their whole idea is they believe that the greatest things in life are outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. um and thinking about that i realized like every time i've got out of my comfort zone i really there's just been so much so yeah if you stay in your own bubble and your own like comfort you'll never experience like things that are out there and and the whole idea of seeking discomfort is just putting yourself out there and and you'll experience so much more um so yeah that just like is a reminder for me every day and then on this side you can't see it but i have like a i have a wall of fame but it's basically just a wall where i try to um i've just like put up like small like um things that i've been able to achieve um and like just some of my successes just as a reminder for me every day especially when i'm feeling low or i i don't feel like motivated enough just a reminder for me of like what impact i've been able to have and i need to, like i need to continue working on that and then yeah i have like a whiteboard and like like my <laughs> tables and so forth but yeah uh that's sort of what my four walls look like yeah i mean that's actually i think this perfectly frames you know our conversation and uh, yeah, like the seek discomfort, especially um, with everything you're talking about with um, from like, n- there's no there's no tomorrow act, act now, yeah. or just trying to go out and solve these problems that are meaningful, um, doing things to make you like to, I guess, this is like also kind of decision making frame- framework, trying to lessen the regret on your deathbed um, yeah. and thinking about these things. I think that that's that's really powerful and also you know the lightning bolt being being bold and doing those things and also yeah uh, also having a more fun um and honest side uh but yeah thank you so much Leon for coming on um I really appreciate how real you are in this conversation you know really bringing authenticity um and the parts of the story we don't usually hear about so yeah thanks for sharing this incredibly powerful uh part of your journey and uh yeah I'm really really grateful for that awesome yeah thank you so much I think just as like final note before as sort of things something like anyone can take away um and we have talked about this but some a, a quote or a phrase i really love to end with is as especially for young people is that we are not the leaders of tomorrow but the leaders of today and it's just about this whole thing of you know tomorrow never comes so as as a young person just go for what you want and it doesn't have to be again starting a nonprofit or changing the world it could be smiling at someone or 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 giving a hug to your best friend or or whatever it is like it's a small little actions that you do um that truly do change the world so and yeah tomorrow never comes so start today cuz yeah we're the leaders of today um but yeah thank you so much for having me um i yeah i love this conversation and i hope it has some sort of impact on what we're listening. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I know I I already felt feel like I grew a lot from this conversation. It was very very interesting um and your story is very amazing. I'm sure a lot of listeners will be inspired by this as well. Um but yeah, for all this listening, thank you so much for tuning in to today's uh, Delta X podcast and we'll see you guys in the next one.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Delta X Podcast with Ellen Shu. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.